I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, we talk about dating fasts, what they are, how to go about them, and why you might want to do one in the first place. Jenna, I forgot to tell you that the other day I, I found a homeless horse. A homeless horse? Yeah, and I know you love horses. I do. But I saw this homeless horse and I was like, this horse is unstable. <laughs> Couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to episode 32. Hello. We're switching up a little bit of how we do the beginning of this. Um, I wonder if, I've heard some other podcasts do this, so I'm going to do this now. If you like this podcast, we normally do this at the end, but if you would please rate and review this episode or share it with someone that you think might benefit from it after listening to it, you can find us online at manafoodforthought.com, follow us on social media, especially Instagram, at manafoodforthought. Um, If you want to support us for as little as $1 a month on Patreon, you can do that as well. We'd really appreciate it. So other people find this podcast because of your ratings and your reviews, and we want to hear back from you. So if you could please comment, share, uh, you know, connect with us via email or anything like that. Yeah, you could also post... um, Take a screenshot of the podcast as you're listening and just post it on your story and say, hey, this is really good. We're really enjoying this. And just let us know. Yeah, tag us in it because we like to see, you know, what your feedback is. But, um, yeah, we'll start doing that at the beginning just because I think some people might miss it at the end. You zone out and you stop listening. But we love you. (laughs) Um, And we're also changing up our Joy Junk Jesus because we find a lot of times that our joy and our Jesus are the same. Uh, or it's difficult to find two things. So we're going to start doing peak pit plug. So we're going to do a peak and a pit, a high moment and a low moment, kind of like our joy and our junk. But then instead of, um, you know, we're going to combine Jesus and joy and we're going to do something, a plug, something that we really enjoy right now. Uh, Could be Catholic, might not be, but just something that's really bringing us a lot of joy um, at this moment in our life. So uh, Jenna, do you want to do yours first? Yeah. Peak pit plug. So my peak of the week... um, was yesterday, um, Adelaide started trying to say, mom, 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 <laughs> and like very intentionally, and I was crying my eyes out because it was too cute. My pit is that we had to move out of our condo on Saturday because of mold, um, and so just the, the process was really, really hard because it took a lot longer than we thought it would on Saturday, and then just like little things have added up to make it a little more difficult, but... It's actually a blessing disguise because we just needed to get out of there. Um, it was going to turn into a major mess. So that was my, we're calling it pit. Pit. So that was my pit. And then my plug is that I have gotten um, really into like self-improvement stuff more recently. And so there's a... <laughs> Adelaide too. She really likes it. She really likes that I'm doing this. Um there's a book that I'm reading called Girl, Wash Your Face. And so it's a really good book. Just uh, debunking By Rachel Hollis. Hollis. Yes. Debunking a lot of lies that we believe about ourselves. Um, so that's my plug. It's really good. Look nice. at it. Very cool. She has a really good Instagram and she does. blog, vlog following too. So um, yeah, check her out. Um, my peak um, is I got to see you three days in a row. I know, right? That never happens. No, it doesn't. That was really nice. Um so yeah, that was really, really Aww. my peak of the week. Um, and there have been many, but that was one of my favorites. And then uh, my pit is this past weekend, I just felt like there was a span of like five days where I was just like, is everyone losing their minds? <laughs> like there was just so much going on and 
so many people going through things that I was trying to journey with or be present to or pray for and really feeling like empathy fatigue. And my spiritual director really brought that out and said that I think you have this. And I, I agree that like, you know, I love being there for people and I, I want to be there for people. But if I'm not taking the rest I need, that it can very much feel like I'm full of what everyone else is going through and very empty in my own right. And so this is kind of this confusing emotional state that I find myself in. But um Getting, now that I'm aware of it, I'm finding those little pockets of rest, so that's good. Um, plug, I'm a big podcast person, but I vary up a lot of the times what types of things I'm listening to, um, whether it's Catholic or not, and I found a really good mix of things that I like um, in one podcast, and that's a podcast called Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. Jimmy Aiken is a senior apologist at Catholic Answers, so he's a really smart Catholic guy, but this podcast examines like supernatural anomalies or conspiracy theories um, or, you know, things that have to do with, um, I don't know, just wild theories about what might exist or what might be real. That's cool. Or, and um, he approaches them from faith and from uh, science and reason. And so it's really cool to see uh, if this were real, like what would we believe about it as Catholics yeah. based on what we know about natural law and um, but also coming from a scientific perspective, how might this be debunked or explained as well? So it's really cool. I love that because so often we just talk about the theology or the understanding of the church and don't often turn around and look at like the science behind it too, mm-hmm. to like combine them at the same yeah. time, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so today we're talking about dating fasts and this is something we decided to talk about because it's a really like popular topic of conversation and a lot of the people that we know and that we're around um and there's been a lot of media coming out in the the recent in the past year surrounding kind of how we look at dating um or how we might approach um coming out of a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. or dealing with dating uh in a new way and so we really wanted to spend some time devoted to this topic and kind of encourage you to think about this um, whether or not this is something you should be doing, um, Adelaide, yes, definitely she dating fast. You she need needs to, be doing to go that. on one first of all. She's doing a lot of dating, lots of flirting happening. I know, she's flirting with me all the time. I can't stand it. <laughs> Married man, young lady. Um, so, what is a dating fast? A dating fast is basically an intentional time that you are discerning. Your own relationship with God and your own passions, your own goals, your own self-worth and self-improvement, and you are choosing to abstain from dating or anything related to dating for that time in order to better focus on those avenues of your life. That's what a dating fast is. Um, And so it's really simple to explain, but how to do it or why one might go about it are a little more complicated. So we're going to talk a little bit about why someone would go into a dating fast. Jenna, why do you think someone would do a dating fast? too much dating (laughs) i think i I think that's like one of the obvious ones is that if you're constantly dating some like people and you're constantly looking for the next person you can date if a relationship didn't work out um doing a dating fast there's that you can just kind of reset focus on how god is working in your life and how he wants to form you um i think there's also a misconception though that if you do that at the end of it you're going to find your partner yeah and we'll, no, get and we'll talk about that, but, but yeah, but there, yeah, there are very specific reasons to go into a dating fast, and that's one of them: is that you maybe have an unhealthy or toxic relationship, or an unhealthy or toxic relationship with, with dating. dating. And um, the whole reason to go into a dating fast, I think, is that if you're approaching dating with this idea that another person is going to fulfill you, like another person is going to be your ultimate 
um, completion, your ultimate fulfillment in life, and you're placing all that on these dating relationships or these experiences, you're always going to be disappointed because you're going to be very obsessive in the relationship. Um, The relationship probably won't be very defined because you're going to want to get close very fast, but you're going to be afraid of the commitment because you want to make sure it's the right thing. And you might even be treating it in a messianic way. Like, you know, you're all looking for a messiah or a savior in another significant other, you know, in a person. Um, and you know, that soulmate mentality that there's one person out there for you and only one, and you have to find them. Um, that's not true. And we've talked about that in previous episodes. Go back and listen to our episode on dating, uh, dating, uh, number four, um, and get a little bit of insight into that. But, um, those are some reasons to go into a dating fast that maybe we don't trust that God loves us in the way that we desire to be loved. And so we're looking for that love and affirmation in other people. Um, maybe we just got out of, or we're currently in a very toxic relationship. Um, but first and foremost, that Jesus is not the center of our relationship or our relationships have become unhealthy because of that. This probably ties into one of, falls into one of those categories, but Mm -hmm. when you're, you're obsessed with, even if you're, well, I guess if you don't have a healthy version, but when you're constantly thinking about dating. Yes. Yeah. If, you, if you're not dating, you know, you're not finding somebody to date, but you're still obsessed with the thought of going on dates. Yeah. And there's a lot of different avenues people go down to kind of, that you can kind of check and see if this is yeah. something that you do. So let's look at those three things I mentioned, obsessive, undefined, and messianic. Like yeah. obsessive, this means like we have so much access to people Um, that we can keep track of them or follow them or kind of emotionally stalk them in a lot of different ways. And so if you're the type of person that's constantly checking your likes, your comments, your followers on social media, or who saw your snap or who commented on your post, who commented first, if they've read it yet. Johnny, um, Johnny commented on Exactly. I'm going to date and love So-and-so said this and he did it within five minutes. He was my first like. Like those types of things. Reading into all of that stuff. Um, feeling like you're always crushing on someone or you need to be in a relationship to feel loved, validated, worthy, happy, um, all those different things. Or you even find yourself changing your behavior to get the attention or admiration mm. of someone else. Those are all different ways that we can kind of obsess with this idea mm-hmm. of dating. Um, also, the idea that um, maybe your dating relationships or experiences have commonly been undefined, meaning... Um, we, cause, because we can hide behind technology that comfortably allows us to not be very vulnerable um, that and commitment can become very, very scary. And so we use unclear terms even to describe our relationships like we're in a thing or we're just hooking up or, um, you know, we're we, in a thing. What the heck is that? I know. All my That's teens so know that I hate that irritating. word. <laughs> Sorry. I talk about this in talks all the time. It's like, you know, like, oh, we're a thing. I'm like, it's so undefined that you have to call it the most indefinable word that there is. A thing. It's like the rhombus of relationships. Like, it has no shape, no form. Jeez. It's just an endless void of something. <laughs> so that's obviously not what God created us for. So we want to make sure that we're entering into something intentionally. Something that has a little definition because with definition becomes purpose and boundaries and commitment. And there's a structure there that allows you to be protected to be vulnerable in the right way, but also not to give too much of yourself away um, before a relationship might become toxic or before you might notice some of those red flags. And lastly, that word messianic. Um, we live in a culture of instant gratification. And so when we're too impatient for the real Jesus, uh, we might look for him in relationships. Um, and they're never going to measure up. There's no, as I said before, there's no Mr. or Mrs. Right for you on earth 
um, you know, Mr. Right is Jesus. Mrs. Yeah. Right is, you know, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Like, but there are people, many, many people who could be that soulmate person for you that help lead you to the Mr. and Mrs. Right who guide, you know, our spiritual lives. But that's how the relationship should be oriented. It's that you're converging upon God together or you're walking toward him together. It's not an either or, or I'm turning away from God or who I really was created to be to go pursue this person because they make me feel good or they make me feel happy or they say nice things about me because those things never last. And they often kind of end up into more toxic realities of the relationship becomes one-sided or too physical um, or they're using you or there's you know no definition, no boundaries and all of that stuff can kind of become very toxic or unhealthy. Um, and so a lot of those are reasons why you might enter. Another kind of smaller reason you might enter into a dating fast is because you're entering an intentional time of service or missionary work or something like that. And a lot of mission organizations like uh, Life Teen Missionaries, um, Focus, Focus um, I think NET might do this as well. Uh, I'm not 100% positive about them, but uh, most of them have, during your first year, or if it is a year, that whole time you are committing to a dating fast, that you're not going to be distracted with, by um, thinking about uh, emotional or dating relationship with the people that you're serving with, so that you can be more focused on how God is trying to use you for the people you're helping. Um so those are a lot of reasons why to enter into a dating fast. Reasons why not, and this might make some people kind of mad because this is a really popular thing right now <laughs> that people just try and do. So I'm going to say this very clearly. If no one is asking you out and you're not dating, you cannot go on a dating fast. You're kind of already on a dating fast, but not really intent. You can't just be like, well, it's already not happening for me, so I'm just going to take ownership of it and make it my own thing. Like, yeah, you can't really do that. Like, that's... You, you probably, you have time right now to focus on who you are. If there's no prospects, you don't really have an unhealthy relationship with dating. You're just not dating. Yeah. Like, you God's know, and it's nothing. you on a dating fast. Yeah. Like, he's already doing it. Yeah. And it's not anything against you. It's not that you're not dateable. It's that maybe you're not recognizing the standards or the worth that you already see in yourself. And that's why you're not dating a lot. Um, or maybe you're really living a virtuous life and that's intimidating to a lot of the people mm -hmm. that aren't living a virtuous life so they don't ask you out. And that's great because you probably don't want to date people like that. Mm -hmm. um, so recognize like this isn't just like a Catholic fad. And this also isn't something to do to find your future spouse. Like if you're going to like, oh, there's some dating things out there that are like these like basically like chain letter novena type things. Do this 90 day fast of dating and yeah. you married person marry and at the end you will receive your husband yeah no at the end you're most likely going to buy a sweater and maybe a cat like that's all that's <laughs> going to happen so like relax okay this isn't because like you're desperate to find a spouse or because like someone else did this and you think it's a great idea this is because you have an imbalanced reality in terms of your relationship with God and you want to refocus and recenter and you're recognizing the way I approach dating or the way I approach relationships is getting in the way of that. It's becoming obsessive for me. It's be maybe I'm overly flirtatious, maybe I'm, you know, doing a lot of these things that are really unhealthy. Um and I really want to take this time to be intentional about the things that I'm passionate about and getting back to my first love, which is Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never really centered yourself on that before because this has always been a distraction or always been something occupying your mind. That's a really great reason to do this. So once you recognize that a dating fast might be something that you want to do, 
it should probably be also done in like consultation with a spiritual director, mm. trusted friends, like people who know you really well, um, people who understand the faith perspective that you're coming from. Um, because that's something you don't want to go into this alone just because it's a fad or just because it's a popular thing to do. You really want to make sure you're discerning, is this right for my position in life right now? Um, is this something that will help me refocus? Um, and a spiritual director or someone who you can trust who's kind of like a mentor or your confirmation sponsor, your godparent, like someone uh, who you can go to or a friend who knows you really well, like I said, those people will really be able to maybe help you discern if this is right for you. So, yeah. And to have somebody journey with, like, to journey with you throughout to keep you in check mm-hmm. because they know that um, what most likely will happen is you go on this dating fest and then all of a sudden, some really cute guy or girl shows up in your life. Like, oh, you know what? The Lord has placed them here. Yes. Okay, all because Lord of this dating fest. But like, girl, it's there. day two. <laughs> Relax. All right? They will stay around. Yeah. And that's why you really don't want to go into this if you're not dating. Because that is probably going to be your reaction. Mm-hmm. Is like you haven't been dating for a while. You do this and all of a sudden, like coincidentally, God sends this person into your life. It's like, okay, maybe you, you weren't really thinking about the purpose of this. And it just allowed you to have a fresh vision to look at dating and you just notice that person. Yeah. And you're p- putting two and two together when necessarily that wasn't the case. Yeah. yeah, that's like when you all of a sudden go on a diet and then all of a sudden you realize there's cake in your fridge. Like, exactly. you, that you've forgotten about for three weeks. <laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot this is here. I just definitely open need the to fridge. eat this now. Hello, okay. darkness, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, those are things to really keep in mind because you want to enter into this intentionally uh, for the right reasons uh, and you don't want to do it, um, you know, not without someone who uh, is helping keeping you accountable because this is not an easy thing to do um, and you definitely can't do it by yourself. You need people checking in with you. Um, And so this is a a really good thing to bring to like a spiritual director or someone who you can trust. Um, So how do you go about a dating fast? Just what, stop dating. Just stop dating. Yes. <laughs> stop thinking um, about it. Stop. <laughs> don't touch it. Don't look it in the eyes. So, you know, like all of, all of those things are valid. But that's like obviously like base step one, you know. So you want to make sure that you've you've admitted this. You've said this out loud to people so that there are people who can keep you accountable. Um, and even if you want to post something online like on your social media or like on Instagram. <laughs> Not like that, but like, hey guys, if you could pray for me, like I'm entering in an intentional period right now of like being on a dating fast and these are the reasons why. Um, Because that will also help like tell potential people who might want to date you that um, that's what you're doing. And if they're willing to respect that and willing to pray for you during that time and not try and tempt you out of it, that speaks to their character. Yeah. Um, But I guarantee you when you start a dating fast... There's also another person at work, Satan, who's going to send people yes. your way. And this happens 100% of the time in the people I talk to. And they go on a dating fast. All of a sudden, people come out of the woodwork. Yeah. And it might be someone who you were crushing on for a long time. And you might think, this is a perfect situation. Like, I was on a dating fast for six hours and look at what happened. Like, okay, no. like. Or even if you're at the tail end of your dating fast. Yes, yeah. And you're like, you know what? It's, I'm almost there. It's fine. No. No, it's not. Yes. So... You need to establish that this is what you're doing, um, and you need to take some time to focus on, as we said before, your first loves. So obviously Jesus, obviously your relationship with him, but also yourself, your family, your passions, the things that you really enjoy, um, and to have dates with yourself or dates with Jesus every single day. 
um, to making sure you have intentional time where you're not just, you don't just have this empty void now. Because if dating was occupying a lot of your time and thought and a lot of your time on social media was about like who might that next crush or relationship be, there's going to be a big void in Mm -hmm. your life when you do a dating fast and you need to really intentionally fill it with good time and community, good time with friends and especially daily time with Jesus, daily time doing things for yourself that you really enjoy and maybe getting back to one of those passions that you really like. Maybe you really like music and so maybe it's practicing that instrument or, um, you know, getting your voice a little more fine-tuned or maybe you really like reading and you know getting more intentional in the times you set aside to read a good book you know having that time to really focus maybe it's exercise that will help kind of burn some of that energy that might be causing you to go into these areas Mm -hmm. um and just recognizing those things that you can be doing to focus and especially in those moments when you might be triggered to go back into old habits Mm -hmm. we all have the same kind of five general triggers when it comes to sin and their uh stress loneliness, anger, boredom, and hunger. Uh, and if we're, any of those five things are existing to to too high a degree, um, we can very easily break any type of disciplined habit that we're trying to adopt. And so recognize if you're stressed, is there something you can do to calm you down? Someone you can go talk to or reach out to. If you're angry, is there a way you can burn off steam in a healthy way? If you're hungry, eat some food uh, and good food that will recharge you and not make you feel worse. Um, if you are lonely, like who are some people you can connect with? Or if you need to feel that sense of, of love and value and affirmation, who's that person keeping you accountable, walking with you um, that can help you? And if you're tired, what can you do to restore your energy or maybe get some rest so that you don't fall into some type of bad habit. Um, A lot of this also is around our phones and technology. So making sure that you have, um, you know, use the restrictions on your phone or use the screen monitoring now that exists on iPhones where you can program what times certain apps are accessible and give yourself that intentional time to not go, especially on social media and start going down that rabbit hole of following people. Well, that too, but also like, you know, it's, you don't realize this until you stop using social media very often, but you probably stalk a lot of people Yeah. and you probably don't recognize that because it's just part of your, your normal habit. Um, there are certain people you always got to read their stories and certain people you hope always look at yours. And when they don't, you have this kind of ding to your, your worth um, and how you see yourself. And, and you don't realize how unhealthy that is or to what degree you're doing it until you kind of delete that part of your life. You, um, you quickly realize that you're stalking somebody when you're so deep in their Instagram that you accidentally like it and you panic. <laughs> yes. Like or you're wondering if that six happened. Six months ago. Yeah. Oh, thank God I've never had that problem in my life. I did that. My mom did that, actually. <laughs> your mom. <laughs> she was, your mom was stalking someone or my you mom were stalking, was stalking someone with your mom? on my phone. Oh, nice. Mom. <laughs> Very nice. Like something. So, um, yeah, this that's the thing. Um, and then when it comes to just your interactions with the opposite sex, obviously you can't be flirting. You know, you can't be like throwing out vibes like you're, you know, down to date and then someone's picking up on those signals and like, hey, you want to go to dinner? And you're like, actually, I'm on a dating fast. You like totally cut them off. That's not very charitable and not very respectful of their feelings. And so it's okay to be friendly. And I know this is a difficult thing. We might do an episode on this one day, but like how difficult, especially for women, I find when I'm talking to women, how difficult it is to be friendly and not feel like you're being a pushover or you're not standing up for yourself or you're being uh, interpreted as being flirtatious. Yeah. Um, cause that's something very difficult to navigate. And so always err on the side of caution. Um, and in those interactions with, um, 
people you might be interested in or people that might have that romantic um, interest in you or that even you might have um, if you weren't on a dating fest, maybe always be in, in a public place or in a group setting with those people if you can help it. Yeah. Um, and try and limit those interactions that might be tempting to become flirtatious or having those like very deep, almost like relationship type of conversations that we tend to have with people too soon. Um, making sure you're, you're putting up some barriers there to make sure that that doesn't happen. I think a great conversation to have with the people that you are often around when the opposite sex is around that you would be interested in is to say, hey, um, like, am I too flirtatious? Or like, do I flirt and not realize I'm flirting? Or come off as flirting? And what kind of, um, like, ways am I doing that? Am I being too touchy-feely and not realizing because that's my love language or I'm just, like, that kind of person? Am I... um, I don't know, laughing stupidly, <laughs> like how, yeah. how you would do it. Um, I know that when I was in high school and when I was in the beginning of college, I was like a total flirt, man. Mm-hmm. I was flirting up a storm and I, it wasn't until I had my youth minister call me out mm-hmm. and say how much of a flirt I was, um, that I stopped doing it yeah. and started realizing how harmful that was and how, um, I just needed to like fix that. Yeah. piece of me because it was not being uh, constructive or positive yeah there's ways to be friendly without being flirtatious yeah. and you know maybe we'll get into that sometime or if you have questions about that feel free to reach out to us and we can maybe write a blog or, or give you a, a really good specific response for your situation but so there's obviously no flirting you're obviously not holding hands cuddling up with people you know having you know private or late night you know conversations with them um you're not like hanging out one-on-one especially behind closed doors you know venue in which you are yes yeah yeah. there's always some type of you know good friendly public place and it's always a friendly setting typically hopefully in a group that is Um, does not have alcohol yes yeah and nothing like that nothing to imply anything other than a friendly situation is happening um not mentally stalking people who are catching your attention um, or physically stalking them on social media or actually in person. I don't know if, you know, if that's... <laughs> Driving around. We, we should probably throw that out there. Don't become an actual stalker <laughs> also at the same time. People. I can't do it on social media, so I just have to follow them around. <laughs> um, and a big one is practicing the virtue of emotional chastity. Like not letting yourself get so emotionally invested in a relationship or a friendship that you are kind of like missing them when you don't see them even though that's kind of not an appropriate desire to like maybe not missing them is the right word but you're kind of longing for that daily interaction you want that attention from them almost like a relationship um that can be a really red flag in terms maybe you're investing too much or you're flirting too much or you're opening too many channels uh in terms of your your potential chemistry with that person Mm -hmm. that could be sending a mixed message um so definitely fasting from social media um Fasting from those private situations with the opposite sex uh, or the sex that you're attracted to, um, you know, that's something too. This yeah. isn't just for people who, no. you know, um, are dealing with this in a, in a heterosexual way, like that everyone has sexual desires. And, you know, this is a good thing to enter into. If you're recognizing that um, the dating relationships that are recommended to you, especially if you um, label yourself as like um, a bisexual or homosexual, lesbian, gay, transgender, anything like that, um, you know, regardless of. The idea that we might get into in another future episode about the what the church sees about that. But if yeah. you're recognizing like a lot of the culture around those 
uh, communities is very toxic in terms of the way that they date. There's not a lot of good boundaries or healthy ideas of dating in those communities, just statistically speaking, that's true. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people who identify that way, who find it very difficult to have a, um, a good or like even a holy friendship with someone or a good relationship. If that's a, um, kind of an attraction that they struggle with or that they see as kind of contrary to their relationship with God, what they're trying to work on or wherever you are with that. Um, that's something just to be aware of, you know, mm -hmm. like this applies to anyone, any level of attraction, any relationship you have with dating that's unhealthy. Yeah. Um, this is for you. So recognizing who you're attracted to and making sure that you're not falling into any situation, any occasion of sin, near occasion of sin where sin might occur. Um, so not behind closed doors, not alone. I always tell people, um, don't text, especially the opposite sex between 9 p.m. and 9 a.m. Yeah. You know, 9 p.m., like, you know, how I met your mother, nothing good happens after 2 a.m. I always say, like, nothing good gets texted after 9 p.m. Like, there's no, nothing that's, unless it's an emergency, and, like, I'm talking life or death emergency, not someone needs the answer to this question, you know, like, you don't need to text them back because you don't want to imply that, like, oh, I'm just sitting waiting up for your conversation or I'm okay having these late-night deep conversations with you even though we're not in a relationship. That's not a door that you want to open. Um, if someone asks you out when you're on a dating fast, simply say, oh, I'm on a dating fast and say no. Um, this will probably happen if you're on a dating fast and you say, oh, I'm on a dating fast, so um, you know, maybe another time, but I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, this is what will probably happen, I would say, maybe 75% of the time, if not more. They'll say, oh, okay, do you just want to hang out as friends? Yes. No, listen to what I just said. Like, go yes. away. Like, that drives me crazy. But what helps in that situation is you're recognizing this person already doesn't respect your personal boundaries. And if, if it's someone of the opposite sex who's obviously interested, they just asked you on a date, and you just told them I'm not dating, and I'm doing it for an intentional reason, and they just come back and say, okay, let's hang out one-on-one -on -one anyway, yeah. and just call it something else. Group, group hanging out is fine. Yeah, but still, like that, that's something that's very disrespectful in my opinion. Yes. And if they're able to say, wow, like I really honor that, I'm going to be praying for you, like... Um, you know, they shouldn't have any involvement in that. They shouldn't be your accountability person, you know, or anything like that. Um, if they can respect that, that shows you that that's a virtuous person. Mm -hmm. And maybe if they end up in a group friend situation, like mm -hmm. you know that you can probably trust them with the fact that they're going to honor whatever boundary you're trying to set mm -hmm. for yourself. Ladies, I, I think <clears> especially <throat> we have such a hard time saying things like that because they, we don't want to make people feel bad or let people down. Um, and saying no is extremely hard, but you have every right to say, you know what, I like, I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that, that you see that in me, but I'm on dating fast. Like Matt yeah. said, um, do not feel bad about saying that and, <clears throat> and don't hesitate. Don't hesitate because the hesitation is where they will find their in. Yeah. So do not hesitate in saying things like that and yeah. be like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, and like, because your hesitation shows that you are not committed yeah. to your fast. Yeah. So be committed to what you are, um, you are doing and then be committed to your statement of no. Yeah. And I mean, if you're like, if your number one love interest or crush were to ask you out on a dating fast and you could comfortably and with... Um, like emphasis be able to say or with like um, that strength and belief yeah. to say no confidently then you know that you are committed to your fast but if you're just kind of doing it 
Some people, I think, do a dating fast so no other opportunities come up until that one person kind of approaches them. And then they're like, okay, I'm done. You know, it's not a way to weed out the other people or have an excuse, you know. If you're out and clubbing or, you know, well, I don't know why you'd be clubbing, but like, you know, well, you could club. I mean, I'm not going to judge you. But it doesn't imply that you're doing anything sinful. But if you're out, you know, and someone's approaching you, you know, um, and you... You could just say, I have a boyfriend or I'm not interested. You know, you don't have to come up with this excuse. Um, I guess I have a boyfriend is an excuse if you really don't. But I'm not interested or no thank you, you know, like, you know, are fine. You don't have to come up with the excuse of, oh, I'm on a dating fast to try and write off these people. It's an intentional time. Well, I think that's the other thing, though, is that is that we feel like we have to have an excuse. Yeah. And no is not enough. And that's like what our society is all talking about right now. But no is not enough. Yeah. And no should be enough. Yeah. It should always be enough. You should yeah. never have to explain yourself of why. Yeah. Um, like yeah. plain and simple. Yeah. Plain you, and simple. You have permission to be direct. And if that's interpreted as mean, then like, you know. Fine. They can suck it up, Buttercup. Like, life's tough. Get a helmet. Like, you know. <laughs> as a great philosopher, Mick Jagger, once said, you can't always get what you want. So, like, that's just, that's just <laughs> life, okay? So, like, you know, let them develop a backbone if they don't have one already. Like, not everyone is going to give you a participation trophy in life. Like, yes. you need to learn that, like, life is about failure and risk. And some people are just going to say no and you have to deal with it. I love saying no for no reason. Like, if someone, even in ministry where you're expected to say yes and someone says, oh, hey, Matt, do you want to do this? I'll just, no. Like, oh, well, do you have something else going on? No, I just don't want to do that. (laughs) And that has to be enough. And they have to learn that that's enough, you know? Because maybe that's just not the right time. I don't need to explain, like, my no is enough. And the same thing is for dating. And so um, you have to make sure that you're you're firm on that. Um, At the same time, you can't have any substitutes at the same time. You can't suddenly have... Um, someone that's kind of like your your friend with benefits or someone who you're kind of in an emotional relationship with to kind of tide you over but you're not in an official dating relationship. Those things can't exist. And of course, you can't turn to things like you know, pornography, masturbation, any type of pleasure-seeking behavior because you want to make sure that you're still getting some type of pleasure or validation that way. Like if th- that, Those are all reasons to go on a fast, not reasons why you should kind of be tiding yourself over on a fast, yeah. you know. So recognizing that too. Um, and then when it comes to the, the time amount of a dating fast, um, I recommend that you don't set an end date necessarily saying my fast is going to be over on this day, but you set a date, maybe six months. I'd say six months is a good amount of time to set a date to where you're going to formally reassess and discern at that time. Do I continue or do I stop? Don't just say, okay, I'm going to stop after six months. Like you don't know where you're going to be in six months. Like just, but set that date as a day that you're going to get together with your accountability person or your spiritual director and talk to the people that you're around and say, have you noticed a change? And maybe ask yourself, have I noticed a change in my relationship with God? Am I still, do I still feel lonely because I'm not getting validation and worth in the ways that I used to in relationships? Or am I starting to feel that fulfillment from God? And from my relationships, my family, my friends, are things going into their proper order so I have a healthy relationship with the idea of relationships now? That might then be a time for you to break. You never break a dating fast because someone is interested and someone's knocking on the door and you're like, okay, I'm going to break to go date this person. You want to break a dating fast when you realize you're so content in your relationship with God and the people in your life that you don't need another person to be in relationship with. 
that's the whole reason to go into a dating fast. You feel this need, this like insatiable need for another person. Mm-hmm. Only Jesus can fulfill that. Mm-hmm. And so you take that time to fast to recognize that and reorient your heart to that first love of Jesus. And then once you recognize that, I don't need anybody else. But if someone else comes along that's leading me closer to Jesus in the future, then that's probably someone I want to be around. And maybe that's someone God's calling me to be married to. And that's awesome. But I don't need that other person for my own worth validation, for my own livelihood, for my life, you know, to exist or be fulfilling. You know, my, I don't need my wife. I love my wife. I absolutely love, but she's not my ultimate fulfillment. Jesus is, you know, I don't need anyone else for that. It's great to have them, but you know, I should be able to get to that point where I'm recognizing he's, it's not going to be perfect, but he is the person that I should be going to and that I'm tending to go to more frequently and things are back kind of in, in the proper order or in the proper order for the first time. Right. I think a beautiful way to start a dating fast is by going on retreat. Um, I know that for myself, every time I'd come off retreat, I wouldn't want to be dating anybody yeah. after the fact because I was so in love with the Lord and I just wanted to focus on that relationship. Yeah. So a beautiful way to do that if you have that opportunity or even creating your own retreat um, is to start your dating fast with a retreat to recenter yourself, recenter your heart and have that foundation of prayer and then jump into your dating fast. Yeah. You know, and you... You can do this yourself, like Jenna said. Yeah. Like you can take a mental health day, like a sick day from work, yeah. on a Friday, and spend some time doing things you love. Maybe have a family dinner or a close, you know, uh, dinner with some close friends, and tell mm-hmm. them what you're discerning. And then on Saturday, spend some time, maybe in a holy hour, go to confession. Mm-hmm. Almost every church, Catholic church in the world, has confession on Saturdays. Saturdays. Um, you know, maybe go to a holy hour or a place that has vespers and holy hour. Like in Orange County, we have St. Michael's Abbey. And there are a lot of those types of places where they have holy hour and confession every single day, 365 days a year, you know, um, to do that and have build a retreat for yourself. Yeah. And then, you know, go to mass and really be intentional about the time that you're taking for yourself and spend some time in chapel or journaling or before the Blessed Sacrament and just give yourself that retreat. Um, if you can't go on a formal one to really get yourself out of the routine and out of maybe the connection, don't bring your phone with you, like have your phone away from you that whole weekend. Um, and just be with in fellowship with people and with God, um, and see if this is something that you want to do. So, um, once you've decided, okay, I've done this dating fast. I'm back in a right relationship with God. Um, maybe it's time for me to now formally break this. Um, again, you don't do that for a particular relationship, but you've recognized, I feel content in my relationship with God. I don't need to go looking for a relationship. I'm comfortable with who I am and where I am in life right now and how I view relationships because my life is centered on the Lord. Um, that's a great time to break a dating fast. However, if you've been in a toxic relationship before that, you may not know how to go back into dating in the Mm, first place. mm -hmm. Um, and so there's this great documentary that just came out, um, in the past year called the dating project. And it's not a, uh, a Christian documentary. It's based on this woman who's a professor of sociology. Um, I think at Boston college, uh, and she does this project with her students called the dating project where she has them all go on a traditional date and she gives them rules and they're not faith based. They're not, you know, it's not a Christian, you know, environment. Um, but she does it because she noticed this, the sociological fact and the damaging ramifications of the hookup culture of college campuses and how healthy it is for people to know how to go on an intentional date that doesn't 
become too committed too fast, that doesn't fall into a hookup style culture, that doesn't put them more at risk for unhealthy behaviors or habits. And so um, we want to share some of those rules with you. We're going to put them in the show notes on our website. They might not show up on the podcast um, graphic, but if you go to our website, they'll be in there. Um, you can find them on the datingproject.com under the media resources. Um, we'll extrapolate on them a little bit. There's also a couple good books um, before we get into this. Um, Dating Detox by Kevin and Lisa Cotter, which we recommended recently. Um, they do the podcast How to Catholic. It's a great 40-day devotional if you have are coming out of a toxic relationship and you kind of want to do like a 40-day fast through Lent or through Advent or something like that. Um, that would be a good thing to read. It's kind of got a daily chapter um, like a lot of Matthew Kelly books do. Um, and there's another book called The Dating Fast, 40 Days to Reclaim Your Heart, Body, and Soul by Katherine Becker. So both of them are kind of 40-day devotionals. Not, again, not to go out right when you finish to go start dating again, but to kind of spend some intentional time on retreat or fasting in some way with a guide, something to kind of help you recognize um, the toxic relationship you might have with dating. Um, but, so The Dating Project... Um, this is a great, I think, set of rules for anyone dating, regardless of if you've done a dating fast or you're coming out of one. But if you're dating, uh, these are just amazing things that you should just memorize because I think they just keep and prevent a lot of problems from happening. Um, so there are different levels to these dates that she recommends, but she tries to assign all of her students that you have to ask someone out on a, what's called a level one date. And a level one date um, is basically the getting to know someone phase. And it's the first few dates, like the first three to five dates are the getting to know you dates, the level one dates. And they're basically done so that you can determine, um, is this person someone that I might want to be in a committed or exclusive relationship with? They're very kind of surface level, getting to know you, seeing if you have chemistry type of dates. And the rules are this. You have to ask this person out in person. No texting? Yeah, no texting, not over social media. Snapchat? And I know traditionally in the church, like, it's the guy that asks. We want to, like, you know, think about, like, traditional chivalristic things. This woman, she has her students do this to kind of get them out of their comfort zones. But ladies, if you're not necessarily comfortable doing this, um, recognize that if someone's going to ask you out, they should be doing it in person. Yeah. Um, so that's a rule to follow. It, the date should be initiated in person. Um, the date should happen within three days of asking. So you're not spending all this time obsessing, wondering, buying something to wear, consulting all your friends, like worrying, like there's, there's, it's going to happen quickly. Um, there has to be obviously a romantic interest. Um, I had a friend that would always say yes to dates because she was guaranteed a free dinner. Um, oh that's not a gosh. good reason to go on a date. Um, and so there has to be a romantic interest and somebody new, someone you've never dated before. Um, we might do another episode in the future about how to navigate if you're friends with them already. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's a long-term friendship, how to segue into that. The purpose of the level one dating is you're having a lot of those friendly conversations on level one dates. So you're developing that type of rapport of a friendship first. Yeah. There's no huge romantic investment, but there is a romantic interest there. And so, um, you know, I would caution you if there's been a friend, recognize that um, that might be risky, but if you follow these rules, your friendship is not going to suffer. You're not going to go so emotionally into this too soon before you recognize this isn't going to work, that it will damage your friendship. That's the benefit of this. Um, but definitely someone you haven't dated before. Be open and honest about it, that this has to be called a date. So if a guy asks you out and he doesn't use the word date, ask him, is this a date? 
Like, be straightforward. Like, make him say the word. Make him say yes. And if he's like, well, I don't know. Maybe we just want to see where this goes. It's like, okay. Like, why do I want to be with someone who's wishy-washy? wishy-washy. You know? Like, I want intentionality. Um, this is an, an interesting one. It should only be 45 to 90 minutes long. Mm. And the reason for that is you don't want this long, day-long date that's going to – you're going to bare your soul and talk about all your past relationships and have really intimate conversations and experiences with each other day one with this stranger. You know, you want to make – you want to have room for leaving more to be desired. Um, you want to make sure that you're not exhausting all your level of conversation, that you're basically seeing do we do we – have chemistry do we communicate well do we have similar interests um you know and just maybe go for coffee or go for a walk in a shopping area or you know um something in a public place um that's short you know and make sure that there is a plan so if you're the one asking you're making the plan Mm -hmm. and there is an intentional plan this is what we're going to do for this time it's not like oh we're just going to go here and see what happens no like take some time to really be intentional about how you want to enter into conversation on this date with this person um, so like movies, movies are not a level one date because you're in the dark, there's no time to talk and you're just sitting and staring at a screen for entertainment. That's yeah. not a date. That's like, you might as well just be just sitting and watching TV person. in your own homes and then call each other after and be like, what do you think of that? You know, yeah. like that's it. Um, if you ask, you pay on this level one date. Maybe later on as you get more into committed relationship and you start talking about money, maybe you might start splitting and stuff like that to be, you know. But they recommend, um, she recommends, if you ask, you pay, that's part of, you know, the responsibility. But try and keep it under $10. So you're not breaking the bank. You know, you're not like trying to create this huge like royal fine dining experience to impress the other person. But, you know, a couple cups of coffee or uh, some frozen yogurt or something mm-hmm. like that, easily, you know, under 10 bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so try doing something like that. Um, one of the, her rules is no touchy, which means um, there's no physical <laughs> no contact um, beyond an A-frame hug, which is like you're leaning forward, you know, your butt's kind of sticking out a little bit. There's not this full frontal hug thing going on or this long embrace. Side hug? Yeah, side hug could work too. Yeah. Um, but the most intimate time, type of touch would be like a, uh, like a friendly A-frame hug. Um, and that's because you don't want to be influenced by hormones, by the physical attraction. Yeah. You want to really discern, does this person have chemistry with me? Um, she also recommends that you tell three people. Tell three people you're going on this date because they're going to keep you accountable. And if you're kind of nervous when it comes to dating, they're going to make sure you go on it. Mm. But go alone. Mm-hmm. Don't have people in the corner <laughs> of the coffee can you shop come like and watch. Yeah, and just like <clears throat> or like, can you call me like you know, 15 minutes in? That's why you have the time limit, 45 to 90 minutes. So yeah. if a guy asks you out on a date and he's the one planning, you know, ask him like, okay, where is it? What's the plan going to be? And um, I've got, I'll be free from 3:30 to five. And make sure he knows that. Like, that if he's not going to establish those rules, maybe he's not familiar with this. You don't want to give him a handbook to date you. But, yeah. like, be a little intentional about your availability and the type of thing that you're comfortable with. Um, go alone. And there's no drugs, no alcohol. It's casual setting at a public time in a public place. Um, so, you know, dinner actually might be kind of a heavy setting. Yeah. Um, for a first date because dinner is more of a longer meal, longer conversation. You might get dessert. You know, you might go for a walk after. That's probably going to go over 45 to 90 minutes. And so generally like a lunch or coffee or, um, you know, a walk, something like that um, could be something that's more appropriate for a level one date. And then the types of conversation that you're having on a level one date are um, they're simple get to know you questions. 
Where are you from? What do you do? There's no interrogations. You're not trying to figure out, are there any red flags here? You're looking, is this person... Tell me your dating history yeah. now. Is this person something, someone I have something in common with? Or do yeah. we have chemistry? Can I have a conversation with them? Leave them wanting to know more. Don't exhaust your whole history. And don't try and discover everything you need to know about them. You know, um, their whole, like Jenna said, their whole dating romantic history. Um, you're determining, is there a mutual interest here? Do we have chemistry? Do we like them or just the idea of them? Mm, and that's then, a big thing. Yeah. And then is there a possibility for a relationship? Do you see this going somewhere? And if you had a couple, a couple, you shouldn't need more than three of these level one dates with someone to determine that. And if there's not, there's no need to continue. And it's, you haven't invested yourself in a physical sense. There's been no sexual activity. There's been no compromising of your, um, yeah. you know, inhibitions or anything like that because of drugs or alcohol. You haven't had these deep, intimate conversations. Um, you know, you can very easily segue that into a friendship because nothing there's been no big emotional romantic investment there was interest there but you're noticing okay this chemistry isn't going to carry us into a committed relationship um and so those are great rules there's a graphic that you can look that has all those rules on them um on the on the show notes or on the dating project um and then you'll have to look up some videos from this woman or some other talks it's not really in the documentary about the next levels of dates um but she has level two dates and level three dates Level two dates are going a little deeper. This is after three or more dates when you're starting to ask about family or upbringing. You're starting to discuss like long-term goals and dreams. Um, maybe beginning to ask why about some of the things that they've shared. Like you might know that they like this or that and you know how they got into it, but, but why do they like it? What does that do for them? Like why do they want to do that for the rest of their life? Like starting to get to the bottom of their passions. Um, and there is a sense in this of exclusivity. You might not be officially boyfriend or girlfriend yet. Um, you're officially dating. You know, you're going on dates from the very beginning. But there's a sense of exclusivity at this point. Um, you're not at this. You, you shouldn't be at a level two with multiple people at a time. You can be going on a lot of level one dates at once um, with a lot of different people. But once you're at level two with someone, you're kind of allowing them the opportunity you for this leveled up. <laughs> yeah yeah don't use this conversation with people it's going to sound very you We're know at level two now. exactly um but know this in the back of your mind um you shouldn't be doing this with multiple people at a time and then level three dates are what's called relationship work you this is when you have the dtr the define the relationship conversation you're starting to ask questions specifically about your relationship where is it going is there a future What's talking about what's working and what's not actually building that communication about how you want the relationship to be better. And you know, there's, it's, there's mutual exclusivity at this point. If you're kissing, there's no, there's no one else on the table. If you're kissing someone, you should only be dating that person. Please don't do a bachelorette. Um, yes. Bachelor. I have 15 roses and people that I can make out with you know at mean? one time, but I'm only going to marry one of them. I just need to see if there's <laughs> chemistry, so I'm going to kiss them all. Yeah. Where's the chemistry hiding? At the back of their taste buds? Does chemistry come from the <laughs> And their tonsils. Like, comes hang... from the tonsils. Yeah, it's gross. So that's kind of all of the. I highly recommend you watch the movie Dating Project. She will recommend at the end that you go on a date, but if you're watching it just for your education purposes and you're on a dating fast, obviously don't take that advice unless you're. But the lady you know, told me. She told me to do it. I saw it on TV. TV or on the internet it has to be true um but watch it you can buy it on amazon prime you can order the documentary um and it's cheaper on amazon prime to watch it once i think it's like 3.99 or something like that but i highly recommend that you watch it i haven't found it for free anywhere online yet but um it's worth it's worth the time so it's about an hour long so um jenna any last thoughts on all of that 
just do it. No, if you're, if you, (laughs) I think, I don't know. There's, there's so much to this and there's so much that we can learn when we focus on ourselves and focus on the Lord. And if, I think I had this when I was in college, uh, where I was just too uh, absorbed with yeah. who is going to be my person. Yeah. And it didn't allow for me to discover like more deeply of who I was, who I was, and the things I needed to work on until I was in a relationship where you, those things should have been figured out. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about these rules is it helps you avoid a lot of pitfalls. Uh, helps you avoid a lot of things that might go wrong in a relationship. So if you're dating or you're in the dating world and you're reading these rules and they strike you as like, I don't like that. That's really hard. I don't want to do that. Maybe you should go on a dating fast because maybe you're not used to the idea of having proper boundaries and proper uh, relationships with intimacy at the levels that this these rules recommend in your relationships. That might be an indicator that you need to do that. So um Jenna, who's our saint for this episode? Saint Raphael. Saint Raphael, the Ninja Turtle. The Ninja Turtle. Not the Ninja Turtle. Is that one of the? It is the Ninja. It's the Red Ninja Turtle. Oh, he's the feisty one. Oh, I like feisty. (laughs) Um. Anyways, so he's He's not the Ninja Turtle. One of the archangels. He's one of the archangels. He's one of the seven archangels. Um, and the reason why we picked him is because he in the book of Tobit um, is where he's really referenced. I don't think he's referenced anywhere. I'll talk about I think he has one else. reference maybe in um, the book Enoch? of Daniel or uh, yeah, in another non-canonical book yeah, I yeah, think yeah, as yeah. well. Um, um, yeah, but mostly in the book of Tobit. Yeah. So he's talked about in the book of Tobit because him and Tobiah go on a journey. Um, Tobiah needs somebody to journey with and so... And he's uh, the son of Tobit. Uh, Tobit, yes. Yeah. Um, random, not randomly, obviously he was placed there, but... Um, St. Raphael just, like, is present when Tobiah is looking for a companion to journey with. Of mm-hmm. course, like, God placed him there. <laughs> oh, look <laughs> here. How Lucky. coincidental. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so um, they go on this journey together, and basically St. Raphael guides him and leads him to Sarah, who Sarah has had seven husbands, and all of them have died on their wedding night when... Um, like they haven't consummated their marriage or anything, and so poor Sarah, <laughs> yeah, poor Sarah has had all of these men died as she's married and thought, okay, maybe this will work. Um, but it's because this demon is attacking all of the men that she's marrying and killing them. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, the gist is Saint Raphael guides Tobiah to Sarah and um, basically gives Tobiah the courage and. Um, not the longing, but like the the understanding that he can do this and mm-hmm. like he can be the one for Sarah. And so he also talks to him about about what has happened for Sarah and how to um, protect himself mm-hmm. and how to enter into this marriage properly and through prayer. Mm-hmm. And so they journey together, they meet Sarah, and on... Um, Tobiah and Sarah's wedding night, the demon is uh, sent away because of how Raphael has prepared Tobiah. And then, I love this part, um, St. Raphael chases down the demon and, like, binds him and sends him away completely. And so they have this beautiful marriage and are able to consummate and then just be happy and lovely and have children. Yeah. Um, So it's a beautiful story about 
kind of that preparation yeah and how to um hold yourself and have that foundation in prayer and that god will prepare you if your vocation is marriage and then through that he will also continue to form you and guide you within marriage um and so saint Raphael, he's the patron saint of travelers the blind because he ends up um healing Tobit of his blindness, um, bodily ills, happy meetings, which is kind of the main reason why we picked him, mm-hmm. nurses, physicians, and medical workers. And so he's also a patron saint against nightmares. Oh, is he really? Like, yeah, if you have like night terrors, because all those things happened at night. Right. Yeah. Because so, I used to have really bad nightmares when I was younger, um, due to different types of like spiritual warfare and mm-hmm. things going on that I, just... I only understood later. But oh. um, when I when I heard that, I started asking for his intercession, and immediately mm. they were. Wow, I just had a bad. Nightmare last night, so I'm going to have to ask for him. Yeah. Um, and his feast day is September 29th, but he's pretty cool. He's pretty cool because I like that, I don't know, God sent an angel to guide to buy Classic God move. Mm-hmm. He's just sending you know, those angels. What a guy. You know, in the form of a person because <laughs> yeah. angels are terrifying. Um, classic Jesus. Classic. <laughs> Anyways, so that's our scene. Yeah. So St. So, Raphael, pray for us. You should definitely read the book of Tobit if you haven't before. It's a nice kind of, um, you know, um, mm-hmm. Old Testament story surrounding just one character, not necessarily connected to any of the other Old Testament happenings, but just this happens kind of um, in this one period of time um, to focus in on one particular message. Uh, it's 14 chapters. And if you've ever heard about the wedding prayer that a lot of couples pray on their wedding night, that's from Tobit chapter 8. Um, and we'll put that in, in the show notes along with all the other things we recommended the dating project rules and all the websites and, and books um, that we recommended. So, yeah, um, share this episode with your friends if you think they might benefit from it. Let us know if you're going to be on a dating fast or if you are. And uh, we'd love to be praying for you and, and helping you through that. Um, and let us know what you thought of this episode. But until next time, we're praying for you and we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye. Bye.